I had a startup that did very well in regards to public relations. We got amazing media coverage. We generated a lot of revenue. It was what I would call a sexy business. It had a great logo. People loved it, but it was not successful. And one of my greatest lessons with that was you can have a really cool business that everybody thinks is like the bee's knees, but if it's not making money, it doesn't matter how cool it is. In today's episode, I sat down with Courtney Smith, online entrepreneur and triathlete. We talked about how she started her marketing career with a $350 million project in the middle of the 2008 financial crisis. Lehman Brothers was one of our big investors. So the day after we opened, we went into foreclosure. Since then, Courtney builds a digital marketing agency that brings her client from zero to six to seven figure revenue. Courtney is an extreme ambitious and positive boss lady so if you need somebody to give you inspiration on how to get through when things get stuck I hope you can listen to this episode and find it helpful so let's get into the video Thank you. Well, thanks for having me and congrats on this show. It's off to an amazing start and I'm super excited to be a part of it. So um, you're sharing really important information. So kudos to you. So I own a digital marketing agency. I've had that since 2009 uh, and we focus on SEO, website development and lead generation. It's I, I'm hugely passionate about it. It's fun. Uh, there's never a dull moment. Briefly, uh, to make a long story short, I thought I was going to law school. I was studying for my LSATs in college, and I was bartending to put myself through school. I met who would become my boss, who was the managing director of a soon-to-open luxury resort in Scottsdale, Arizona. And um, he's Italian and is still a friend and mentor, and said, Courtenay, you will run the bar at the, at the resort. And I was like, okay, and I thought about it and I'm like, I don't want to run the bar. I want to get into marketing. I didn't even really know what it was, but I thought it sounded good. And long, long story short, I ended up becoming the marketing manager there. And it was a huge project, but we opened this $350 million property during the Great Recession. Lehman Brothers was one of our big investors. So the day after we opened, we went into foreclosure. So I learned about marketing kind of through the school of hard knocks because our marketing budget went down <laughs> and it was a very difficult time to market luxury because that kind of became of taboo course. real quick. Yep. Mm -hmm. So that was my start. I started my agency a couple years later and here I am still in marketing. <laughs> How did you go from law school to like, I want to do marketing? Yeah, it's a great question. I I was always in hospitality, which is my background. So I was in bar, you know, I bartended through college um, and I just, I loved giving people experiences and I was more in the hotel industry, give people experiences, right? What you're marketing to them is you're going to come have an amazing meal or an amazing stay or an amazing wedding. And I was, I think from being in hospitality, there was a lot of crossover there. So when I had the opportunity to kind of go onto the marketing side of hospitality and not be what you would call front of house, that was totally like a great segue for me into marketing. I loved, I studied political science in school, um, but I just fell in love with this property. And the, the person who became my boss was such an amazing mentor. And I'm definitely glad I went that route. I cannot imagine sitting behind a desk, like briefing cases and things. Um, I, I love what I do. 
And so I think the universe was like, and no, you will do marketing. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Oh my goodness. So, but during the creative session, like how did you manage to have, to market something that was a taboo? Plus you had very low budget to do your job. Mm -hmm. That is like, that is such a great question. mm -hmm. Um, We really had to learn to pivot and be flexible which is something I would recommend to everybody in marketing. I think sometimes we get really set in our ways. So like, that's an example of, we had a marketing plan. We have our, you know, ad purchasing all mapped out and it went out the window in like a week. And so my job became to build an email marketing list to locals because people were not going to be flying into the resort that we thought like all these, you know, travel and leisure people coming from all over the world, it became hyper-local And so this is also really before social media was becoming a thing. So we had to sell them on the value of social media. Building an email marketing list was very low cost. And we have the Scottsdale Phoenix area to tap into. So my job was to partner with local brands and then partner with a local media outlet, like traditional PR, in order to get people to the resort. Because we knew if we could get them there they would have an amazing experience and they would come back. So my job was just to get the feet to the resort. And by partnering with other luxury aligned businesses, like we did things like um, we partnered with Lululemon, you know, we partnered with local chocolatiers to do like wine and chocolate tasting. So we did really fun events, but each business would donate their service. So it costs nothing to all of us. So the media outlet promised to do a story on it. The chocolatier donated their chocolates the distributor donated the wine, we donated the space at the resort. So we organically were able to build a 60,000 person email list in eight months. And we did a tremendous amount of local marketing that way. For other strategies involved, of course, there was still discounting, especially at that time, just to get cash flow. But the local strategy with email marketing and kind of the advent of social media helped tremendously. Whoa, this is like a because like, one of the best case studies I've ever heard. It's, it's, it's mind blowing because you not only, like, I think it's a great representation of where multiple companies from extremely different niches, like different industries, come together and help each other, yeah, to do something in, especially in a financial recession. Like, I was very young. I don't know what it was like. You know, yeah. I yeah. can't imagine what it's like. Uh, the only biggest hardship was probably COVID, but that's also like another thing. And for us digital marketers, that's what not really a thing, you know? Right, right. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. Uh, Thank you for sharing that. Sure. You know, I think if you learn to just pivot, um, you know, I've seen a lot of ups and downs in in the economy because I've seen the great financial crisis. And then of course you mentioned COVID and it's, it's, I think as marketers, we have to always be on our toes. And even when we get really good at one thing and we think we have it all figured out, being able to go, just take a step back and go, hey, this is not what we thought it was going to be, or at least let's be open to new ideas and test them. Like we always talk about, we did at Mastermind Mansion, it's always be testing, right? And if you're testing, you get good case studies. And sometimes I think the results will really surprise you. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we also live in this time where like ChatGPT is like disrupting a lot of our work. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think, and I see it too, like many people take it in a very, very negative way. And as a result, sometimes they like do get laid off. 
um, for someone who have gone through so many things, uh, like from economical reasons and like this whole health reasons from COVID, mm-hmm. what's your take on this? Like how some writers get laid off because of chat? I think that um, you, it's kind of like being able to pivot. If you get really good at pivoting, you get really good at also upping your skill set. And I don't really see AI and chat GPT um, and its competitors as something bad. I think it's some it's yet another opportunity. I tend to not look at the doors that close, but the doors that open. That's probably just like the entrepreneur in me. I try really hard not to overthink problems and kind of look ahead. I don't have it all figured out. I think we're going to see AI and chat GPT evolve very quickly in the next couple of years. So none of us can figure out what that's going to look like. But if we can stay on top of our skill set, like Mastermind Mansion is a great example. There were case studies shared there, you know, talking about the prompts we can use and how we can integrate it into our businesses um, to, you know, be more effective, be more efficient. So my advice to writers and those who think that their jobs might be threatened by ChatGPT, I would say take your skill set and kind of fuse it with learning more about AI and chat GPT and see how you can then leverage that. Because the two separate are fantastic, but sometimes when you put things together, you kind of become unstoppable. So I would just say, keep learning and don't get discouraged about it. You know, get on that wave and ride it, you know? Yeah, yeah, love that. Love it. (laughs) And uh, okay, let's talk about you becoming an entrepreneur because after that uh, resort, you mm-hmm. started your agency, right? Was it difficult? Like, how did you choose what you're going to focus on? Yeah. And just tell us about your agency, like how it started and stuff. Yeah, that's um, a great question. So I was fortunate to not be laid off. A lot of people were at the resort, but I also was surrounded by some really amazing people. And um, at the time, my grandmother, who I was very close to, became ill with cancer. And my family was back in Maryland. I was in Arizona. And I knew I wanted to get back to see her. So I remember talking to my boss and I was like, I really want to go home. And I'm thinking of starting my own business, which was crazy. I only had a couple of years of experience in marketing. And so I did deal with that kind of, am I experienced enough to do this? But I felt like I had learned so much on that hotel opening that why not? And it really came down to if I'm going, I was working 80 hours a week, by the way. So if I could work 80 hours a week for a court, you know, for corporate, why couldn't I do it for myself? And that was it for me. Um, my boss was so understanding, gave me a book that's called 2020, or sorry, 10, 10, 10, which is a fantastic book, by the way. And it puts into perspective working through a decision basically and tough challenges in life. She said, you can always come back. Like, what do you have to lose? And so exactly. that was that. <laughs> I moved back to Maryland. I had no idea what I was doing. These were the days before drag and drop website editors. I did not know how to build a website. I had a very traditional marketing background. So I was bartending to finance the business. These were also the days where you paid a thousand dollars for a logo. And so I had to, yes. Yeah. There were no, like, there's no tailor brands back in the day. I used the logo designer from the hotel. So all my connections in Scottsdale, And um, it was called CS Creative Suite at the time. 
I focused on hospitality marketing. So bed and breakfast, restaurants, spas, and salons, because that was my background. I cringe now at what I think that I charged my first clients because I was new and I didn't think that I deserved enough money. <laughs> so I look back at that as kind of my own paid internship, I guess. Um, the turning point into digital was I was bartending. I saved $3,000 from my bartending money to have somebody build me a WordPress website. And they took the money, they started the website and never built it. And I had no recourse. I had no contract. I mean, this was like the first hard lesson of like owning your own business. And that was it for me. I said, never again. I don't know how to build websites, but I'm going to teach myself how. And then I began teaching myself how to build WordPress websites. This is around 2009, 2010. So um, then that became the trajectory, you know, of the marketing agent, because that's where the world was shifting. It was very quickly moving away from traditional print advertising and what I would call guerrilla marketing into digital for sure. So, wow. <laughs> and how do you find a journey? Like, uh, I, again, like I see that this 3k, like a lot of money and you're saving and you've been working yeah. for so much for it. And it wasn't, discouraging you to move forward and that mindset is uh, something that I see recurring successful people do how do you really overcome that stress like it's, it's a big yeah, stress that's a good question at the time um that was so much money to me I was definitely devastated I was angry and I was really upset but I also had like three or four regular clients on retainer and they were really happy with their results and so and I do really love marketing. Like I am, I'm not somebody who goes to work and I'm like, oh, like another day. I'm like, this is so exciting. And I still feel that way today. So I think even though that happened, I chalked it up to what did I do wrong, which is I didn't have a contract and I didn't have the knowledge to really select the right person. And the, you know, to me, the answer is like, you're going to build your own website. So this never happens again. It wasn't even really a question. <laughs> it was just like, this is what's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And now your, how's your agency? How, how big is your agency now? So we have a small agency compared to probably most SEO agency owners. Um, we have just over 32 clients on the roster right now. Um, and I would say 15 of them are full-time. We, of course we do project to project. So a lot of website builds, but we work with a lot of small medium businesses, kind of getting them from either like zero to six figures or, you know, low sales and revenue to five figures, whatever they're looking for. It's myself and Jocelyn, who's my SEO manager. Um, she's been with me for four years and um, just is fantastic. So it's just the two of us. <laughs> wow, that's fantastic. So you mm -hmm. guys share the work? We do. Yeah, we, we do divide the... and conquer. Mm -hmm. how, how, how does it work then? So she does, uh, I guess, technical SEO and content. Great question. So Jocelyn started with no experience at all in SEO. She's an outstanding writer. So I knew right away she would be great. And she was also so persistent. She came to me and was like, I want to work for you. <laughs> and she kind of kept like reaching out to me until I was like, okay, because I was like, I'm so busy at the time and I don't have time to train somebody right now. So she was just super persistent. And that quality in her has served her so very well. She doesn't need to be micromanaged. She actually lives in Costa Rica. 
she's a new mom. I'm all, I'm a single mom. And so I try really hard to kind of give people um, the skill set they're looking for. So she loves writing. Um, and then we kind of kept chipping away at different skill sets. What we found is Jocelyn loves schema. <laughs> so okay. she does all the schema markup, like the advanced schema markups on our website, social media, content creation, um, a lot of local SEO strategy. So she's she can she can learn anything very quickly, which is nice. And I think that's a wonderful um, skill set to look for in people when they join your team. So shout out to Jocelyn. Shout out to Jocelyn. <laughs> <laughs> wow, awesome! And how does it work for you as an agency owner? And that you you find a clients and. Mm -hmm. Or yeah, we've been really fortunate. A lot of our business is referral based. So we have a lot of clients in, so I'm in Maryland in the greater DC area, and we just have a lot of referrals and we do, we do, most of our clients are home service business, you know, home service businesses. So patios, decks, power washing, plumbing, things like that. And so we're fortunate enough to get a lot of referrals. Um, I am certainly guilty of not updating our agency website and I need to, <laughs> but luckily we've been busy enough that that's kind of fallen on the back burner. So that's awesome. That's yeah. very good. Yeah. Really cool. Any BS that you see around the industry that you want to highlight? I'll say that's total BS is on the consumer side, like the client side, they don't, they still think of SEO as blogging and putting a keyword in the title of the blog. And I find that whether you're, you're trying to submit a proposal or you're talking to them about what they need, a lot of clients do not believe that SEO is as complicated as it is. And they think a lot of times they can do it themselves. Now they might be able to, if they invest in courses and things like that, but if they are in a competitive niche that um, trying to explain to them like, off-page SEO and on-page SEO and press releases and GMB, it's like it goes over their head. So I think the BS we have to get over still is SEO is not blogging and it's not just link building. There's all this stuff that happens in between. So it's really just a matter of educating people, right? So I'm still surprised. Uh, I mean, I want to comment on that because I'm still surprised that a lot of people don't know much about SEO. Like in who are not in SEO mm -hmm. because there's so much uh, I get targeted I for SEO courses every fucking day yes. and then yes. um, it is one of the other competitive uh, keywords to to rank for either Google yeah. and YouTube yeah so a lot of people are searching for this thing yeah. and it, it is interesting that a lot of people don't know about SEO still which yeah. I think is an advantage for us yes still. yes Yes. Um, yeah. What I like to do sometimes with people who don't know SEO, they have a website and then I just simply pull up their competitors yeah. who do rank. Mm -hmm. And then I just do shows like two screenshots like this is you. Yeah. And this is your competitor. <laughs> you guys have a big gap. Yeah. Yeah. Something like yes. that. And they instantly like, oh my God, but why? <laughs> that's that's such a great strategy because I think most people are visual. And sometimes all the acronyms and the advanced, you know, speak of SEO kind of makes their eyes glaze over. So showing them like, here you go, this is what it is, <laughs> I think is super important. That's really, really smart. Yeah. Uh, I only did, I think like two pitches in my life yeah. for, for this, yeah. but uh, I, I saw that work. 
Yeah. Uh, oh, I bet. That helped I my bet. my friend. Uh, she's episode three, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. To to do her pitch for another Canadian cat client or something. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Before this interview, you did mention that you do see a lot of difference between women, female and male solopreneurs. If you would like to share that with us today. Sure. This might be controversial. (laughs) Oh, no worries. (laughs) What I see, what I have seen since I had the agency over many, many different clients is my female clients act much differently than the male clients in regards to feedback Um, What I would say the strong points of my female business owners and solopreneurs are they're very detail oriented, very involved in the process. You can tell that they want to know what's going on. Now that can be a strength, but what I also see sometimes is like the male clients tend to like, let us run with our strategy. They don't question too much. They want to know what's going to happen in the beginning. They, They care a little bit less about like every little design detail on the website they're like, if I'm getting leads and you're making me money, I don't, I want to see the reports. I want to see the revenue and I'll give you some feedback on branding. Other than that, they let us run. And I find that those are the most successful clients because they trust us to do what we're best at. Um, those who, and, and it's not all females, but there's definitely a trend to that where they're like, well, I want the website to look just like this. And as you know, in SEO, sometimes like they'll be like, I want the navigation to be this way. And I want this here. No, don't mess with that. No, that well. And I'm like, so when we do that, you're not going to rank. And you came to us because you want more revenue. And so I always like walk them through that. But I think there is a lot more handholding and a lot more back and forth through the process. Like the, our female clients, we tend to take much longer turnaround times on websites just because of the feedback and they'll, you know, a certain number of edits are included in each project we do, but they usually go above and beyond that. And they also don't want the website launched until it's perfect. I usually tell the male clients, uh, and again, this is not everybody, but just a trend I've seen. Let us launch, like approve it as is. Let's get the site indexed by Google because that sometimes takes a little while. And we can polish these blogs or we can polish these service pages, but let's get the meat and potatoes up to, to get it in front of Google and we can keep building off of it. Let's get those core pages ranked. Because I always find with people, you want them to have early successes. So you want them to have revenue coming in and you don't want to... I, I've learned over the years, like progress, not perfection. I used to be a perfectionist and I realized like you have to launch at some point and you can keep polishing, but if you wait for everything to be perfect, you're never going to make any money because you're going to be so wrapped up in the details that you're like, it almost becomes this like analysis paralysis. And I just find that my, my female clients get a little bit more analysis paralysis than the males do, which ends up sometimes hurting them revenue wise, especially in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when you launch websites, it's like obviously DR zero. And like, how do you, do you have like a, yeah. a solid link building process to help those clients or? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I tell people, and let's say they're going from zero, they have like no revenue and they're a new business. I tell them, and again, we work with kind of very geo-specific. We don't, I don't really do e-commerce. Like we do home-based okay, okay. or I'm sorry, like you know, service-based businesses or retail brick and mortar. Um, so I tell them usually it depends on their niche. 
let's start with Facebook ads. We're going to get you some early wins. We work with a lot of small businesses who can't afford to outlay five, six, seven thousand $7,000 right away. So my job, I feel, is to come in and say, let's phase this out. Phase one, phase two, phase three. We're going to grow with you. My goal is to immediately get revenue coming in for you because that establishes trust. And trust is the most important thing in any client relationship because if they trust us, they let us run and do what we're best at and they growth moves up into the right. So I usually say, let's start with some Facebook ads. We of course do a GMB optimization and then we start working. We always build SEO right into the site and our goal is always to rank, you know, their, their core service or product pages. Mm -hmm. Um, so by the time their website's built, they should have revenue coming in. And then we, we always explain SEO is going to take a little bit longer. Some easy wins with SEO, I would say, are long tail keywords in the blog, just proactively, you know, still a best practice in SEO, answering those questions, FAQs, just going for some really low hanging fruit that's going to get them some traffic and visibility. And then one thing we use, and this is probably just a US thing, there's a site called patch.com. And it's always a very city specific, it's like a directory site combined with ads, kind of, they have very low cost ad buying. And you can literally also, if you have an account, you can write all your press releases and pop them in there for free with links back to the site. And those actually rank pretty quickly. So even if the site is not ranked yet, you can go around it by doing things like patch or online press releases. So we kind of throw all that stuff together pretty quickly. And by the time the site launches, they've already made some money, they feel good, and they'll continue working with us. I love that. <clears throat> and how do you charge your clients? Is it like a monthly based thing or do you work by percentages of revenue? Yep. Great question. So I don't do any percentages of revenue. We're actually really low cost, I would say, compared to a lot of just like traditional agencies because it's just Jocelyn and I. Um, and we kind of wanted to stay small. I didn't want to like scale a huge agency because I, I love working one-on-one -on -one with people. So I get personally like invested in, in these businesses and I, you know, I just look at ourselves as like their marketing department. So generally, let's say, you know, we have a website they have to put down a deposit, which kind of covers our, you know, hosting development environment, any stock imagery. You know, we have, of course have our agency plans for stuff like that, but basically just to cover our costs in the beginning while we're building and they go on a monthly payment plan. So they start paying monthly. They pay monthly for 12 months. There are of course add-ons if you want like local SEO or whatever, but in general, we, we keep it very bare bones the first few months until they get revenue coming in. And then, then they're like, oh, I want to dial this up. Okay, cool. That's another whatever it is per month to really focus on local SEO or whatever. We try to really grow with clients and not have a huge bill for them at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Because all of this, uh, as I hear, like most of your clients just starting out, right? And mm -hmm. for business marketing seems to be the, the last expense they want to spend on. Or they yes. consider it as a cost when it's really an investment. Yes. Um, so yeah, I understand that uh, your strategy here because I can imagine it must be hard, uh, say, if you don't have a reputation as an agency to actually find clients so yeah. to kind of trust you when they are in a, like such a, a vulnerable position as a new, yeah. new company. Yeah. Right, right. And you have all these, like, you know how people get spammed. I mean, I get spammed as an agency <laughs> owner with like, I can help rank your site. And you're like, 
But so they, I feel like as soon as they sign up, let's say they go through legal zoom or whatever to sign, you know, create their LLC, you know, that that data gets sold to some marketing company and they're just pummeling them with like, you know, SEO and Facebook ads. So it is overwhelming for them mm -hmm. um, to figure out who to hire. And I think going back to the hotel world, what I learned was local stuff is really important and relationships are really important. So if you treat your clients well, they will refer you business. And of course, in the SEO world, you know, we should be getting more leads probably from the website that I haven't worked on for the agency. But again, we get so many referrals, which is the best kind of lead to get because they already really trust you because they've spoken to somebody that hired you and trusts you as well. So. Yes, yes, yes. Um, was it hard for you, like reflecting back to build up that uh, referral thing? Like, was it like an exponential growth? How much they referred you? That's a great question. Um, yes, I mean, I, I would say, you know, it took a while. I, I wish that there was a, a silver bullet. I do think SEO is the fastest way um, if you're going to be building a business these days. But as far as... Um, kind of the grassroots stuff that does take a while. I mean, I definitely, before I had my son, I had my agency for three years and I was working just as much as I did in the hotel world. And um, I'm glad that I had that foundation because I, I did have to earn it. I didn't charge enough. And I know I did, you know, looking back, I didn't charge enough, but I got sweat equity and some of that, you know, during those, those um, initial projects. And those people are the ones who referred people. Don't think there's been so much exponential growth for the agency. Um, I have other businesses that are not agency-based and they absolutely have grown year over year because of SEO and Facebook ads. Like that's all I do. And so you can do it that way. I think it depends on what kind of agency you want to have and what kind of marketing you want to do. Um, but always keep in mind, there's that balance between relationships and what I would call local. And then what we do for living, which is we can reach anybody anywhere in the world. Awesome. Yeah. And, uh, now that you reflect back on your, you know, past and with your present now, anything that would, would change if you could go back in time? Yes. That's, that's a really great question. Um, I, I tell people this with entrepreneurship, with marketing, with anything they do. Looking back, so I'm almost 42 and I, it took me many years to learn to separate my, what I would call the ego from my businesses. And that is hard to do because when you're in your twenties, and even when I was in my early thirties, I think like when I look back at my vision boards, it's like, I want to be on Shark Tank and I want to be on the cover of Inc. Magazine. And I wanted, you know, I thought that that was success, right? But what I've realized now, especially becoming a parent changes you because then what you want is time and you want quality time. Yeah, you might be money motivated and you have to have enough money, of course. But I would say if you can always understand your why, like, why are you doing this? If you understand that, you will make excellent long-term decisions um, and short-term decisions. So if I could go back, I would do some things differently. I had a startup that did very well in regards to public relations. We got amazing media coverage. We generated a lot of revenue. It was what I would call a sexy business. It had a great logo. People loved it. 
but it was not successful and it kind of fizzled out. And one of my greatest lessons with that was you can have a really cool business that everybody thinks is like the bee's knees, but if it's not making money, it doesn't matter how cool it is, right? And that was really interesting to me that it could have so much success from a marketing perspective, but not from a sales perspective. So a lot of that had to do with like, I held on too long because so many other people loved it and it thought it was, they thought it was so cool. Whereas now I have an agency and some very small businesses that generate very consistent revenue are very predictable. And I would say that's because I wasn't worried anymore about what was cool. I wasn't worried about being on the cover of Inc. Magazine or getting onto Shark Tank. I was worried about, are my businesses successful? And sometimes that, that can be boring work, <laughs> you know, it's just being consistent and continuing to learn new skills and implementing them every day. And um, that's what I would do differently if I had to start over, I think. Oh my goodness. I love, <laughs> I love this because I think it teaches multiple things. First is that, first of all, like for, from someone who is like looking outside, they would look at someone like quote quote successful mm-hmm. but they don't see behind the scenes what's going on so because we are living in this environment with social media where we c- keep comparing ourselves to others right yeah. and we see like oh this person has so many likes this person is doing so well but then what about me yeah. but we don't know that maybe that person uh, as you say not generating as much revenue as as they they are showing or they they're reflecting maybe I don't know Yes. And then for you is that to let go of kind of what is expected from you yeah. versus what, what you want to do and what makes sense. Yes. Yeah. You, you put that so beautifully. I mean, I think when you look at successful people, they don't really care what anybody thinks, right? Like, and I think that that's something I talk to my girlfriends um, about this a lot. Like something happens around 40 where you just really stop caring what anybody thinks about you and you start doing things for yourself. And when you do that, it's this like magical transformation because you, your confidence, I think is high. You've been through enough life where you're like, okay, I know where I'm going, or at least I have an idea. I know what I like in life. I know what I want. Is it money I'm after? Is it time with my family? And then you can work backwards into like, you know, curating a life uh, on your own terms. And really that's success, right? Like you're exactly right. We look at people on social media, which that wasn't around when I was growing up. And so it's interesting to see the evolution of it. And it is, it's hard because everybody's showing their highlight reel, right? But yeah, I have definitely been in a situation where the highlight reel looked great and we were freaking out about having no revenue to continue, you know, I was pitching investors and doing all this stuff. So if you know your why and you know who you are, you're going to be okay in business because you're just naturally going to make really good decisions. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. Um, anything you would like to say? Oh my goodness. Well, thank you. First of all, I love talking to you. I feel like I could talk to you for hours and hours <laughs> about too. entrepreneurship and life. Oh, I would just say to all the aspiring CMOs out there and entrepreneurs, they keep going. You know, I think it sounds so cliche and it's what everybody says, but if you invest in ongoing education, you're, you're able to pivot and you have enough resilience to keep going. You will be successful because oftentimes it's, I say that the fable of the hare and the turtle, like the, you know, that race, 
the hare is the one who moves so quickly and he's getting all the glory, but he doesn't ultimately win. It's the turtle because the turtle is just plodding along. And sometimes it's about doing the boring, consistent stuff, but um, keep going because you can do anything literally that you put your mind to. So, Thank you so much, Courtney. And thank you for sharing this. And if people would like to reach out to you, how can they find you? They can reach out to me. Um, I'm on Instagram. It's Smith Courtney Marie. Um, I'm on Twitter, Smith Courtney M. And I'll send you the links to all this stuff. Um, so I'm pretty active on social media, uh, but that's probably the best way since I haven't updated my website. <laughs> okay. I will also link down in the show notes. And don't be surprised if you guys see Courtney racing because she's also an amazing athlete. Oh, <laughs> I just so wanted nice to mention. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Well, this is such a pleasure. And again, congratulations. This is an awesome show. And I wish you all the success. Thank you. Thank you so You're much. Welcome. All right. <laughs>